Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Rebecca Lawrence and this is Voices. In this set of interviews, I will be focusing on issues of inclusion, diversity and allyship through intimate conversations with wine industry professionals from all over the globe. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps us cover equipment, production and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hi, everybody. Italian Wine Podcast celebrates its fourth anniversary this year, and we all love the great content they put out every day. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People has become a big part of our day, and the team in Verona needs to feel our love. Producing the show is not easy, folks. Hurting all those hosts, getting the interviews, dropping the clubhouse recordings, not to mention editing all the material. Let's give them a tangible fan hug with a contribution to all their costs. Head to ItalianWinePodcast.com and click Donate to show your love. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This is the Voices series with me, Rebecca Lawrence. This week, I'm talking with content director and wine enthusiast, Victoria Cheche. Uh, so, Victoria, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Super exciting. <laughs> I like to start most of these conversations by asking my guests to introduce themselves to our listeners, just in case they're not aware of you. So, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're currently working on? Hi, I'm Victoria Chechet. I I work in content marketing. I'm primarily a copywriter and I work mostly with food and wine businesses. I recently relocated uh, to Richmond, Virginia because of, uh, well, one of the reasons, because of wine. Um, Virginia wine scene is very exciting um, and very different than my Italian wine background. Um, I'm originally from New Jersey, New York area. Um, and as you know, there's a ton of Italians and Italian Americans there. So um, it's different being down here. But not to go off topic, but weirdly enough, they're growing Nebbiolo in Virginia. And I've been investigating this and it's very fascinating. <laughs> but yeah, so really just immersing myself. I actually just took up a new project. I don't want to speak too much about it because it's still fairly new. But um, I'm working on a uh, food and wine business here in Richmond to kind of educate uh, the community here and as well in Virginia about uh, Italian food and wine. So I will keep you posted on that, but that's what I'm currently working on. I had no idea that they were growing Nebbiolo in Virginia. Obviously, this is a huge home of wine in the States. You know, thank, thank you to Jefferson, which is part of my background was writing about Jefferson. But yeah, I had no idea that there's Nebbiolo there. The kind of pioneer of it was is actually an Italian man from Piemonte. So there you go. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Luca at Barbersville. I believe that's his name. I hope I didn't mess that up. But yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm still, I mean, tons of people have tasted it. I know a lot of people enjoy it, but no one I met from Italy has told me anything or like people who are like, you know, connoisseurs of Italian wine. So I'm curious to taste it myself. Um, and also there are other wines. Um, I'm still fairly new here. So being, you, you know, when you're so busy, I know how you feel probably in Verona. Like everyone's like, you live in Verona. That's probably amazing. And I'm like here and they're like, haven't you been to all the wineries? And I'm like, I haven't left my house, um, you know, except to go work at the winery I do work with. Um, I do work with a winery here, but I'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, it is actually quite crazy how that happens because I've been in Verona for about two years now and I still haven't made it to Suave, which is like a 20 minute drive. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. See, exactly. And in the wineries for me are like at least 45 minutes. I mean, most of them. Um, so I'm just like, 
I really wish I, I, in my mind, I dream of having the time to do all these wine trips. Um, it will, it will happen. <laughs> so how did you find your passion for wine? How did it, how did you get started? It's, it's a little, it's, it came together kind of whimsically. Um, so my, my father's Italian. He was born in America, but um, my, my grandmother was the only one that um, immigrated here, all her family is in Italy. So my dad and his family was, were always close to the relatives. And that was a great thing because when I was little, my, my mom, I, well, the funny part is, ironically, my mom, the American one, um, decided to really kind of spearhead taking me to Italy every year. Yeah, which it, it's just really funny because I would go to Italy every year in the summer. And my dad, like, he doesn't love to travel. I mean, he does. He He's, he's just, I don't know. But I love him. But he just didn't go all the time. It was kind of funny, but um, so I would go with my mom and then I would actually go with my, um, she's basically like my adopted grandmother. She's a woman that my mom became close friends with when she first moved to New York. And she's just been like a grandma to me ever since. Like she knew my mom before I was born and uh, she's a uh, Napoletana. So she was like, of course I'll go to Italy, you know? So I went every year um, and that really exposed me to food and wine at, from a very young age. And it always like provoked this curiosity of why there was a difference between Italian American food and Italian food. Well, there's multiple different cuisines in Italy, but, and I wouldn't go, like we weren't going to, you know, like Rome in the heat of the summer and dealing with tourists. Um, we were going to like these small towns. Well, one of them isn't, is super popular now, but like we go like outside of Rome. So I, ever since I was little, I've been just curious. And just to fast forward, I was working at Italy in college in New York City. I was working on the food education program. It's called Food Diversita. I started working with the wine director because we had a lot of events. So, you know, when you work in a marketplace like Italy, you're constantly doing everything, which I love. And I started tasting wines with her and I just started to fall in love with Italian wine because one of the reasons I fell in love with Italian food was because of all the microclimates and the versatility of the soil and the versatility of the history. I like, I've always been a, like a crazy history buff. And so wine just made a lot of sense and I kind of just followed it. I, I probably should have mentioned this before, but when I was in college as well, I lived in Florence for a year and I was able to work at community gardens there and really explore a lot of different avenues. I was still focused mostly on like um, food policy in Italy. Clearly I've deterred a little bit. <laughs> I still am very much interested in it, but definitely wine had, you know, stole my heart a bit once I came back and was working at Italy. And it just kind of Continued on from there. I worked as a wine sales consultant in New York for a while, and that's uh, we had a dec- uh, we had a small Italian portfolio. We were most we were um, international, but I just continued it. And you know, it's I have to admit, working and transitioning to something more directly in in marketing has it's been hard because I'm not tasting wine every day like a wine sales consultant is. However, I've been able to focus my marketing skills into helping wineries. And that's something I'm hoping to do more in the Italian wine field. Again, being based in America, I've definitely focused more on American and domestic wineries here. Yeah, it really does. And I was going to ask why you came to Italian wine, but you've managed to answer that question already. Like, how could you not love Italian wine having had that experience, like formative experience growing up? Yeah, it's... it. You know, it's crazy, like, it's just all around. And, like, when you're younger, like, you know, most young kids, unless their parents are winemakers, you, you kind of don't understand the purpose of wine. Like, you see it at the tables and you know it has significance. 
but then once you start to grow that appreciation and it's, it's just incredible. And I'm also someone who really loves olive oil. I, I really love olive oil. And fortunately, a lot of, you know, winemakers or just grape growers are also olive oil makers because, you know, they grow together olive trees and vines oftentimes in Italy. So it's, it's just been, I just feel really grateful to have, have the experiences I've had and also be like you know, following them. And actually, speaking of experiences, one thing that you didn't mention in your background is I understand you've worked Harvest, which is a notoriously difficult job. So how did you come to do that? And and how was it? I did really skip a lot of steps in my journey. Um, I feel like because I tend to rant about it, I always am like, let me just give the speed up, like the sped up version. But yes, I did work Harvest. And it's very great that you asked that because it was very important in my like transition from working as a sales consultant to like being basically a freelancer and working in with food and wine businesses, um, you know, and building their, their brands essentially. And so I went, I did harvest in 2019. Fortunately, I chose to go then because that was right before the pandemic hit. So I feel really grateful about that. I went to Sonoma County, uh, California, and it was really funny because the person who was really helping me facilitate my harvest dreams they're like, well, you know, if you want to go right to Italy, like that you can, but it's a little more difficult. And, you know, of course I wanted to go to Italy, but I was like, you know, I spent a lot of time in Italy and I will go back there. I know I will be there, but I've always, you know, really put down California wines. I'd never really cared for them. Like now it's changed. It's changed. Anyone who listens to this, I'm not the same anymore, but I, I really didn't have any expectations, you know, going to California. So I went, I did it. I stayed from, I stayed there for like almost four months. I worked with a custom crush facility, a small facility in Santa Rosa um, called Inspiration. And it was amazing. I mean, working at a custom crush allowed me to work with different clients and different needs and different fruit of different, you know, varietals, quality. And you really got to see the whole landscape of like, like Maine, I don't know if I could say Maine, but, um, you know, Sonoma, Napa, Viticulture, because people would bring fruit from all over or even up in Humboldt County. And so, yeah, it was incredible. You know, also got to learn about all the different Italian varietals that are being grown out there, which was really fascinating. I drank, uh, which was really interesting. I traveled all the way north, like almost near the Oregon border and ordered a Barbera. It was like 15% alcohol. It was, it was a lot. (laughs) But it was like this tiny vineyard. It, it was an amazing experience. I mean, Harvest is, isn't easy. You know, it definitely isn't for everyone, um, but it, def- it changed my whole perspective on the industry. I, I really want to do a Harvest again. I'm actually going to do a mini Harvest situation in Virginia since I can't take fully off for work. Um, so I'll be again in the winery for like two days a week. So I'm excited about that. I've always, it's not something I've managed to do, but I, I've always thought that although it is incredibly hard work and that shouldn't be underplayed, like you say, it does give you this completely different perspective. You know, you're, you're right up close and center with, with the great varieties and 
you just experience the different side of the wine industry, particularly for someone like myself, who's been working as a, you know, an educator or a presenter of wines. I think it just gives you so much more to add to your stories. Oh, absolutely. And it really shows you what you care about, like within winemaking. And it, it really just shows you how, you know, winemaking is a business on one side, like, you know, grape growers, winemakers, they have to make money. And when you come from a sales background, you, you kind of forget that, but then, I mean, not to say that as a you know sweeping generalization, but like you, you have to get back down to the nitty gritty of it. And for me, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Like I, I fell in love with just being covered in grape juice all the time and finding seeds in my boots. And, and I went from hating cleaning the press to like actually loving cleaning the press, which if you ever do a harvest, that is the, I mean, it depends on the scale of the winery that you work with, <laughs> but like cleaning the press is always the intern's job, I swear. And it's like, you have to like hop in this like bladder. It's like the bladder presses and you're just like the seeds, especially like for specific varietals, like they'll, they'll like really get like, like lodged in the slits. Oh my God. I was in there for an hour and they were making fun of me. I was like trying to get all the seeds out. Uh, But it, you know, it's an amazing experience. I mean, and also you get, you get an excellent shape as long as you feed yourself. <laughs> I will say the wine winemaker, um, he'll probably listen to this, Dylan Sheldon, he's amazing. Um, we keep in touch. He's super cool. He would try well, he they would feed us lunch all the time, but he is an excellent cook and he would smoke these meats and I was like, Wow, thank God for you, because I probably would have died. <laughs> uh but yeah, it was a great time. You absolutely got a fuel when you're doing that much physical work. You can't just enjoy the wines, you need proper fuel oh yeah no you're like you're going and going and going and fortunately the seller hand that worked there he was like a he was he was very impressive he he like worked out before he would come to shifts I was like you're insane he was like well last harvest wasn't as intense and I was like okay that's true but like this is still you know like labor um but he was great yeah, so he was really motivating and helped me a lot with learning nitty gritty things because as a city girl, there's a lot of like common sense things you kind of forget about a lot. Like <laughs> like um, putting on, um, like assembling a pump. Like <laughs> there are times where I was just like, wait, okay, how do I do the class? Like, am I doing this right? You have to really like bring your brain down to just like simple, basic like survival skills. Um, And I think that's one thing you take away from Harvest for sure. (laughs) Hey guys, this is a brief intermission to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Ferro Wine, the largest wine store in Italy since 1920. We are delighted to have them on board and thank them for their generous support and our new t-shirts. Find out more on italianwinepodcast.com. Now back to the show. So to pivot completely to a very different kind of intense work, uh, we got to talk about Via. Um, I wanted to ask, one, why you chose Via, like what, what brought you to Via, but also did you do other specific Italian wine education or did you just drive, dive straight into this like insanely intense program? Um, actually, it, it was the latter, to be honest. I... I felt, so what inclined me to take the VIA course was a few things. One was I had been itching to return to Italy after everything's happened and I wanted to return 
not just for vacation, but for something that meant a lot to me. So when I saw the program like come around, I didn't know how intensive the application was. So I kind of applied and was like, okay, maybe they'll pick me or maybe they won't. I don't know how this works. But I also chose it because I really wanted to advance my knowledge and be more of a, you know, for lack of a better word, certified and, you know, established ambassador of Italian wines, because I've accumulated such a knowledge of Italian food and wine culture that I felt like I needed to not only, you know, take a course around that, but also surround myself with people who were like-minded. Um, I felt like in my work, because, you know, getting, you know, off the ground with my work, I, I still work with a lot of different, uh, in a lot of different industries. So I felt as if I was like losing my grasp on, you know, Italian food and wine um, and my focus. And I wanted to have something to look forward to, something to study for, something to, you know, reawaken that passion and keep it going. And that's really what VIA did for me. I have to be honest, Coming, going and doing the program reminded me of, you know, a lot of knowledge I already had, a lot of knowledge that I, you know, I didn't have, of course, <laughs> and how much more I need to study. You know, I'm only a few, not that long after, out of college, but I, I felt like I forgot how to study for a moment. But it reminded me of what, you know, really drives me in my life and what makes me happy. And that's, you know, working with Italian wines, Italian food, and um, being an educator around that and being a storyteller in that realm. That's, you know, I mentioned Italy before, that's what got me to that position was that was, you know, something that was a passion of mine. And um, I really missed that. And I really missed having that element around me all the time. I wish I could always write about Italian food and wine. It's I'm working on it. But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you have to pay the bills. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, you touched on the importance of surrounding yourself, particularly if you are not working with Italian food and wine every day, having the advantage of those connections, that community, you know, from many editions of VIA, people talk about having found, you know, lifelong friends and colleagues. And I do think that that helps completely immerse you in the world of Italian wine, even if you can't do that in your kind of everyday work. Absolutely. I I 100% agree. I I didn't anticipate to meet the people I did. I really came in with kind of blindly, I think, and not to give any benefits to a pandemic, but I think having the pandemic and being so eager to want to connect to Italy again and to connect to people, new people again, made it so much more impressive, you know? Uh, Yeah, I met some really awesome people and people in very similar fields as me and you know I have to say like I came back and I felt like a new person like I felt like okay I remember now I'm you know remember what I'm focused on um and yeah it was it was it was amazing talking about the pandemic we can't ignore it as as someone who has been working with wineries to aid them in their marketing their content this kind of stuff I wondered what kind of changes you've seen occurring during the pandemic? Has it been difficult to convince people to move towards kind of social media and digital marketing? Or do you think the pandemic kind of helped do some of that convincing for you? That's a great question. It's, it really depends. Um, I would say now people are very much eager to build their brands and really go after their dreams. I would say if you were talk, we were talking maybe a year ago, 
most people were very, you know, still dealing with all the uncertainty. Again, we still have uncertainty now, but we've seen a lot of people come uh, come out triumphant and find ways to market their business and get really creative around it. I think in the wine business, it really depends on where your winery is located and what uh, politics are around that. I don't mean to dive into that, but you know, with California and fires or South Africa and the um, you know alcohol ban, it it's been very different all around the world. I would say in Virginia, since I've been here, it's been very positive. Um, now there's a lot like wineries are open back up. People are very eager to go outside, and you know, I don't know if you've ever been to Virginia, but Virginia is has a, a stunning countryside. The Blue Ridge Mountains are phenomenally beautiful. So it's it's. In the sense of marketing, I think it really just depends on, on where you are, and but definitely more positive now. I'm hoping that that is something we're going to see continuing as, as people find their way into the kind of the new side of things. Like, I don't think we're quite through it yet, as everyone, I'm assuming, thinks. Um, you know, that we've still got a long way to go. But for me personally, I've seen, like you say, this very positive attitude to trying to get wines out there, like you say, this this creativity that has come out of the pandemic. Like you, I don't want to say that this is, you know, it it's a positive thing having a pandemic, but if we can take some positives from it, I think seeing the wine industry become a little bit more creative, become a little bit more agile, for me who's been in it for a while, is very exciting. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, it's been really great, especially with, um, you made me think of wine clubs, Many people are, have really thought outside the box about wine clubs, especially because, you know, having to deliver to people from home and uh, to their homes and whatnot. And yeah, absolutely. And I think people actually have become more aware of the power of content marketing, um, social media marketing, SEO. Like I think a lot of wineries and, you know, food businesses, especially um, since they were severely hit, they, they really have started um, to realize the power in that for them. Um, you know, when you stop getting as much foot traffic and tourism, you're like, how do I reach my market? And yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been really fascinating. So I have to ask you specifically about Italian wine. So I wanted to ask if you could share maybe a wine or a grape variety that you've been particularly enjoying recently, maybe something you discovered during Via or maybe something that, you've returned to as a sort of beloved favorite wine? Am I allowed to answer this question like in two parts? Because <laughs> there, it's being that it's summer, like, and this is going to sound so simple and, and not even like people probably hear this and be like, she took the via course and this is what she chooses. But um, really, to be honest, what I've been craving right now is just to sit on a beach, preferably in you know, just just on on the Mediterranean somewhere, probably in Campania, drinking a glass of Falangina. If I could just have that, I would be very happy right now. It's it's a simple, you know, Falangina is is a great is a great grape, but it's just like to me, growing up and going to Campania and um, in Lazio and like having white wine on the beach is that, that's what I've been just dreaming of. Um, so there's that. <laughs> And then on the other side, um, I've actually been revisiting, um, surprisingly, um, 
more Aetna wines. I mean, I know that they're, they've become super popular, but uh, people around me have actually been asking me more about like different wines from Sicily. And I, I actually just had um, an Aetna Rosso from um, Custodi, um, the, uh, oh my gosh, the P, it begins with a P, oh my gosh, it's, it's escaping me. Um, anyways, it's just been wonderful to kind of revisit more, you know, volcanic, driven wines like um because drinking a lot of virginia wines and wines from domestically don't necessarily have that character um and it's been kind of fun kind of like honing in on one region and relatively and kind of just diving right in i also really did enjoy the tasting of sicilian wines um during via uh because i hadn't done that in a long time um and it was you know, after doing like all the Nebbiolo and like my whole palate going crazy, it was like a little better. <laughs> so, but um, no, Nebbiolo is fabulous, but yeah. So it's, it's definitely been a contrast, but um, with this heat, I really just want, and there's this beach bar that I used to go to that would make, they'd have this sparkling, like, and I even, it was like a frizzante, it was like, it was like a frizzante, like falangina. Oh my gosh. Like in the sweltering heat that, that could cure you. Yeah. <laughs> Just that that sounds like the amazing, like the most perfect wine for the Italian hot summer because yeah, also in the Veneto here, we were talking before the record that it's super hot, it's really humid, and yeah, the idea of a slightly frizzante falangina, oh, I love it. So I'm in the habit of closing these interviews by asking what's next for you on your Italian wine journey? As I guess Italians say, buona domanda. Uh, so I mentioned at the start of this interview that I am pursuing a, a business. And I guess that would be my next step. I am working, there's another gal here in Richmond that I met recently. Um, we're, we've just kind of become friends, but she does an Italian food pop-up. And she's probably the only one in the city that really makes good Italian food and Whoever, I hope, whoever listens to this is going to hate me for saying that, but I, I have to be honest. And when I tried her food, I was like, okay, this, this girl has a nonna and she's doing something. And so we're going to hopefully like work on a couple, I, I hopefully can work with her to maybe do some Italian wine dinners um, here. And that's going to be part of my, my business as well. I'm building a small, basically building a small e-commerce uh, business here, retail for mostly olive oils and Italian food products. I am considering dabbling in wine, but, you know, working in imports is, you know, a whole other story. But I do have a trip planned to Italy in uh, end of September through October. So we'll see what happens there. I definitely plan on going to many, many wineries just because I have to. And so, yeah, I guess that's part of my journey is uh, my, you know, moving forward is hopefully enhancing the storytelling element um, uh, for Italian wines in my life and Italian food. That sounds really exciting and I have to say September October is my favorite period in Italy uh, it's when I first fell in love with Italy was traveling kind of late September early October and I really feel like the country just I mean it's never in a bad light you know there's no bad season to be in Italy but that period in particular particularly you know you've got like harvest just closing up everything just has that beautiful light so 
I'm I'm almost a little bit jealous, even though I'm already here, because <laughs> I'm dreaming of that previous chip. I can come by and drag you out of the office, <laughs> just like knock on the door and be like, we have wineries to go to. <laughs> Victoria, thank you so much for joining me on the Italian Wine Podcast today. It's been so great to finally have you on as a guest. Where can our listeners find you online or on social media? So I on social media, you can find me at underscore Victoria Checha. I also did just recently revitalize my blog. It has kind of a funny name and it also has a social media handle. And I'm probably more active on that. And it's uh, it's a slutty spaghetti. It's S-L-U-T spaghetti. That is me. And I, I probably would encourage you to follow that because it's a lot more interesting. I'm... I'm rarely on my main Instagram account unless I'm uh, posting random memes when I'm bored. So, <laughs> Guys, go and check out what Victoria is doing. Thank you to everyone for listening. Don't forget to follow us on social media, subscribe, and of course, donate on the website to make sure we can keep these great conversations flowing. Victoria, thank you so much again. Thank you. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.